Good morning and welcome to Crossroads. Let's all stand up as we go in a time of praise and worship. Come on and put your hands together. If you're visiting with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Come on.
serve a good God who is worthy to be praised. Amen. Father, we love you and we sing these songs to you. With right heart, sing this out. You are good.
If you mean it, sing it louder. Today, I, I want to have a, a chance to talk with a person who's a member of our church family so you can understand a little bit of the emotions that are going on with what we're about to do next. And so I want to ask you to do this. Would you welcome Amy Clark as she comes up right now? All right. Well, we talked last hour, so you already know what's going to happen. And uh, I want all of you to know that um, Amy is a part of our worship ministry here. Uh, her and her husband, John, are a part of our, our life together. Matter of fact, her husband, John, is Irish. She's married to an Irishman. Northern Irish. Northern Ireland. Yeah, okay, let's make sure we get that. But uh, Amy was a part of the production, Nothing Lost Can't Be Plowed. As a matter of fact, she starred in it. And even though Amy is incredibly gifted musically, she had never starred in a role like that before, which kind of stretched you. But what happened that made it more emotional is we were heading towards that moment. Uh, her mom was battling cancer, and she wasn't physically able to be with us when Amy had that incredible time sharing with our church, but she was able to watch online. So talk about what it meant for your mom to be able to watch you and see you perform that way. Well, um, I mean, it was overwhelming for me and all my family that... Uh, when I think Doug Hewson caught wind that my mom wasn't going to be able to come because of health reasons. Initially, she was able to. I'd bought her ticket, but um, she wasn't. And um, it was a really difficult time because her health had taken a turn for the worst. And uh, she had a 24-hour care, so I was 
after work coming over to her house and then coming to rehearsals and then coming back and spending the night and then going to work. And um, so she was able to see the production and it was paid tickets. And so Doug, he's like, don't tell anybody, but we're gonna put online so your mom can see. And a funny thing is, um, is she couldn't hear me very well, so my sister texted my husband who told Doug and they turned my volume up so my mom <laughs> could hear me better. My mom was just completely blessed and just in awe. She'd just been in her house by herself the entire time, so it was just like a time to just kind of escape it for a while. So. Yeah, totally. And your mom, I know, loved the Lord, and she had a great faith in God. And uh, as she battled cancer, I think her faith really meant a lot to you. Um, yeah, she, I don't want to be too graphic, but um, her health had, had, and if anyone who knows someone or had a family member close to them who had died of cancer, she was um, really, really sick one night, and I was up with her, it was probably like three in the morning, and um, I had to run to grab a bucket so she can throw up because she couldn't keep anything down, and she wiped her face and looked at me and said, you know, this is the point when people lose their faith in God. And she said, but if God still chooses not to heal me, I still love him, and he is still faithful. And I was just in awe looking at this woman who's pretty much dying before my eyes, and she still loved her God, her Savior. And I was like, what faith to just witness that. That was just, um, it really stuck with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I know on Mother's Day more than ever, that gift she gave you is incredible, you and John and just your life. Now, this is your first Mother's Day without her, and uh, we want to be your church family. And, uh, you know, as you and I talk, God has, has brought some other people into your life. Yeah, um, not only did God bless me with an amazing husband, um, he gave me the mother-in-law that I had prayed for, and she's stood in there as a mother figure to me. But even more so than that, um, God started placing godly women in my life even before I knew my mom had cancer. And uh, one of those women is your wife, Pam. Um, and uh, Kathy Satterfield and Carol Duarte, they've just scooped me up. And um, when I found out my mom had cancer, my husband and I haven't had kids yet. And I remember saying, I'm never going to be able to tell my mom, hey, mom, I'm pregnant. Um, I come from a family of six siblings, and there's grandkids all over the place, but I haven't had mine yet. I'm the last one. And um, that was really hard for me. And like, she's not going to see my grandkids. I'm not going to see the look on her face, but I know... Pam and all those women will, will be so excited when I tell them I'm pregnant. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, and you know what? Is, uh, you're incredibly special to us, to Pam. To, I know the others, too. And, and I know that, we, man, we love you. And we want you to know that. We want to be there for you. That's what a church does. And, uh, you know, Amy was on our new worship album, um, Overwhelmed. And Tim Roberts walked in my office and he said, hey, I, I decided we're going to put a song on there that's one of your all-time favorite. It's called I Can't Wait. And then he said, I'm going to have Amy sing it. And I was like, whoa, that is like perfect. Because this worship song is, it's so filled with hope. It's so filled with what we believe about God. It's, it's the idea we're so in love with Jesus, I can't wait to see his face. And um, as you began to sing this, I know that you, when I heard you do this, there's no doubt about the emotions that are in this. Um, when Tim showed me the song and when we were in the studio, he just said, I want you to really think about what you've gone through and um, really think about God and your mom and who, who you'll see in heaven and, and, and have that in the song. But um, during this trial, and we all go through trials in life, and, and I, I doubt this will be the last one, but each time God shows himself to me in such a way that I know he's real. 
I love him so much. There, there are times during this, and I remember reading the scripture, um, you can rejoice in your trials, or you should rejoice in your trials. I'm like, who does that? But in this, I did, and I had peace in the midst of all the pain around me, and I, there are times at night when I would be crying in my bed, and my husband would just come and hold me, and I would just feel God's love around us, and I'm, I know he's so real, and I cannot wait to see him, let alone my mom, but our Savior. Yeah, and, and I'm with you in that, and then I, there's so many people that I'm going to get to see in heaven, but most of all, Jesus, because we can't wait to see a space, and we're living in a time where at any moment that could happen, and and uh, as Amy's going to sing that song for us now, I want you to hear it. I want you to think about the words, uh, uh, but let's pray. Lord, I love Amy and John, and Lord, I love the fact that Joanne had such an amazing faith in you, and she's with you now. But Lord, there's a day that's going to come where all of our tears are going to be literally wiped from our eyes, and we're going to stand before you and enveloped in love and be able just to be in your presence. I thank you that Amy knows that. I thank you for the way that you've gifted her with this. May this song more than ever have meaning as we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.
job, Amy. And, you know, I got to tell you, the guy who wrote that song, we uh, sent him a copy of the CD, and he, he got racked to us and said, man, that's even better than I ever imagined it when I first wrote it. And, and, uh, and man, the emotions of that, when I listen to it and worship God that way, are just incredible. So anyway, uh, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 2, and also Romans chapter 8. And uh, we're going to talk about one of the greatest theological truths ever. Let's pray. Father, may you open our eyes to your love, to your great love, and may we understand the amazing truths we're about to see. May they resonate within our heart, and uh, Lord, may it be real for us. But I pray that we would have a great foundation to stand on, a solid one from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if theology matters. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear the word theology, they think boring. They think it's not going to be exciting. If you were here last week, what you saw is that Paul opens up the letter to the Ephesians uh, with theology. As a matter of fact, there's three chapters of it. Chapters one to three are the theological truths of the foundation that we stand on. And then four, five, and six deals with the practical side. How do we live this out? And so what we need to understand is this. When theology is right, which is the study of God and His Word and His ways and His truth, that our lives have meaning that resonates, and it ends up literally filtering to everything we do and everything who we are. When we get off, it's dangerous. As a matter of fact, there's a danger right now out there of people who are being taken away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and brought into something that's not good and not healthy. Uh, there's a book out called Love Wins. I don't know if you've heard about the controversy surrounding it, but the bottom line is, is it's not accurate to what the Bible teaches. As a matter of fact, on May 18th, uh, I've read the book and Ronnie's read the book. As a matter of fact, I, I, I've actually talked with the author a couple times. Uh, we're going to take the book and show the danger of what that's saying because it's taking people so off course from the truth of God. See, and when God wants you and I to know the truth and when we know the truth, it sets us free. Here's where I'm going. Paul begins with saying, what are the greatest truths you could ever know? What are the things you could hold on to? And today, we're about to get to the greatest theological truth of all. So we're not going to start with it. It's a little ways into the letter, but when we get there, I want you to grab hold of this incredible truth. It's the one that brings meaning to life. It's the one that matters most. And when you get it right, everything else builds off in an incredible way. Let's go to Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. It says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, what he's doing, if you're brand new to all this, he's writing to the Ephesian church and he says this, here's how it used to be. Prior to you coming to know Christ, the were, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, don't miss that. According to God, according to God, when you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're dying. You're literally dying. Matter of fact, you know, I don't know if you're aware of it right now, but, but all around you, there are people who are dying. Some of you uh, may know it. Others of you may not be aware of it. But the Bible says when we're not living in a life empowered by the Holy Spirit, in a life connected with God, the truth of the matter is we're in a countdown toward death and we're just literally fading away. 
Uh, uh, there's a book called Angel Walk, and I love the book. And the book's about an angel who's kept in heaven until God's ready to enact the last days of the world's existence. And he sends this angel to earth to see what's happened, to see how man began in the Garden of Eden in a great relationship with God and ended up in this, the death and decay and the evil that our world has within and now. And, and what horrified him was the evil thoughts that people had. What horrified him is, is the, the incredible cruelty that was going on and the way people treated one another and the way people ignored one another. But the worst of all is when this angel came to earth, he looked and everybody who walked around were like walking skeletons. The only ones he could see that were alive, that were growing, that were with vitality were those who had come to know Jesus. But the vast majority were walking around dying, not aware of it. And that's what God says. God says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, if you're new here, and, and if you're here, you already know this, but as a part of our family, but if you're brand new, you might say, wait a minute. What do you mean dead in my trespasses and sin? Well, here's what it is. You're a sinner. And you might be sitting here right now going, well, who are you to call me a sinner? Well, I'm a sinner too. As a matter of fact, all around you are sinners. And if you're a woman, watch your purse. Because, hey, all around you. You know why? We think evil things. We do evil things. We're mean. We, we lie. Now think about it. You lie. You say things that aren't true. And you don't always keep your word. And maybe very often you intentionally, intentionally are, are holding on to things or using things to hurt somebody else. And God says that you're dead when you do that. And he said, that's the kind of thing he doesn't want you to be a part of. But now, here's the thing. When you become a believer, you're to go from living this way to a brand new existence. That's what God wants for you. But he wants us to understand how we were to how we are. That's the theology of this passage. And so he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air that is working in the sons of disobedience. And notice what he says this. You also, among them, we too all formally lived. He said, we lived in the lust of our flesh and desiring the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. Now, what God is teaching us through the Apostle Paul here is that when people are in the lust of the flesh, they never find freedom, they never find life. It's never what God wants it to be. I uh, know of a woman whose greatest dream and desire was to be a stay-at-home mom. And to do that, they ended up moving out of the area that they lived, and, and, and now she didn't have her friends, she didn't have her job any longer, and even though she loved her kids, she wasn't ready for the loneliness it created. And so she started drinking. She drank because it hurt, but the more she drank, the more she died. She got to the point where getting up in the morning was difficult, and she was walking in a fog and not able to enjoy her kids. And what all she thought would give meaning to life now was literally decaying around her. So she was becoming a horrible mom, a horrible wife. She thought a horrible person. And then she found Christ. Some women in her neighborhood realized something was going on and they invited her to something like a mom-to-mom -mom we have here. And through that, she found Jesus. And then the, the addiction went away and she wasn't that person anymore. And she, she found herself being able to conquer and love and care. And now she woke up with more purpose and vitality. But in the old days, she was decaying and dying. There was a man who just didn't feel alive. So he had an affair. He cheated on his wife. 
The Bible warns that be ye not deceived, adulterers do not inherit the kingdom of God. He thought somehow that would bring meaning to his life. He thought it would give exhilaration to his life, but it ended up ruining everything. He wounded his children, wounded his, the woman he promised to commit his life to. And rather than finding life, he found death in it. But good news is, is he came to know Jesus Christ and he was able to break it off. And, and in his case, it doesn't always work this way. God made him such a new man that his wife not only forgave him, she fell more deeply in love with him. His kids were able to go on and God gave him everything back. But it says when he was living in the lust of the flesh and indulging in that, God warned that it brings death. That's why in John 10 verse 10, Jesus said these words, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. There's an old saying that says this, Jesus did not come and die on the cross to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. See, that's the whole point. And when we understand that life without God is death, that's why God's great calling is to bring us to him so that we might have that. Romans 8, 1 to 11 is amazing. I know it's a long section, but listen to it. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as though it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Notice how there's this dichotomy. There are those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the spirit. Today you're one or the other. It says in verse 5, For those who are according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Again, you're one or the other. You either have life flowing through you, the life of God, and the peace of God. Did you catch what Amy said? In the midst of one of the hardest trials she's ever experienced in her life and one of the toughest moments of heartbreak, God's love brought life and peace not only to her but to her mother. Why? Because that's what God does. And we're never ever dying when we're in Jesus. We're just getting ready to move on to be in a better place. That's God's great desire for you, to give you life, to give you peace. Verse 7, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not even subject itself to the law of God. It is not even able to do so. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. You see what Paul is saying, both in Ephesians and in Romans, is the former life is walking according to the course of this world. The former life is according to the prince of the power of the air. The former life is lived in selfish lust, and it's not the life God wants for you. He wants you to have life, and he wants you to have peace. And when we are in that former state, we cannot have a great relationship with God. We cannot even have one with him. Philippians 3, 18 and 19 says, For many walk 
of whom I have often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Now, if you haven't caught where this is going, let me try to make it practical for you. When I am living over here in the flesh, in selfishness, and feeding my own appetites, I'm never going to end up being free and happy. If I'm the man having the affair, the woman indulging in drink, or the person given to obesity. By the way, that's my problem. That's what I have to fight off constantly. Man, I'll tell you what, my appetite, if I let it rule, my life will ruin me. Let me ask you a question. I struggle with overeating. All of you who struggle with overeating, if I end up saying, forget it, I'm going to eat as much as I want, will I be happy in the end? No, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, at one time I was 270 pounds. And I remember sitting on the couch, we had a two-story house, and Pam said, hey, I forgot this thing upstairs. And I looked at her like, so? I'm not going all the way up there. I got to tell you, do you know how weird it is that we had a house that we felt like bondage to because I couldn't walk upstairs? I mean, it just killed me. Why? Because my God was my appetite. And whenever your God's your appetite, maybe it's an appetite for food or an appetite for addicted things, or how about this, an appetite for behavior, an appetite for vengeance, an appetite to make people pay, an appetite for immorality, you're never free. And, and when you're living that way, you're, you're alien to God. You might believe in God. You might even believe in Jesus. But you're not going to be in a relationship with him. Why? Because you're an enemy of the cross of Christ. That cross that came to say, you know what? You and I have sin, but he loves us and want to take it away. And, and he says, come and find that peace. Come and find that love. And by the way, I got to tell you, if you're brand new to all this today, you might even be fighting against it. And God's great desire is for you not to be caught up in that and not to live in that bondage. That's why, look at Ephesians 2, 4. The greatest theological truth ever expounded. It says this, But God, being rich in mercy, not just a little mercy, rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. Now I want you to grab that. That is the greatest theological truth you ever hear. That God, because of his great love with which he loves us, he loves you, but he doesn't just love you. He has a great love for you. And if you understand that and you grab hold of that, everything else in life will fall into place. It's not about works. It's not about trying to earn our way. It's not that we ever could. It's not about pretending we're good people all the time. And, and, and it's about finding this great love of God. And it motivates everything. When we miss out on that great love, everything else lacks meaning. We don't understand God. We don't understand life. We don't understand what matters. And by the way, lots of errors come along. Lots of errors. There's some of you here today that, that, you know what, you don't even like the idea of being a Christian. You don't like church. You know why? Because it doesn't have the love of God in it. Maybe you were raised in a home that was supposedly Christian, but it wasn't filled with the love of God. And, and I want to tell you, when that's missed... When that's missed, it becomes, and I want to use this word correctly, a perversion. The truth of Jesus, the love of Jesus has been perverted time and again into great atrocity and evil, sometimes enacted by whole churches, sometimes enacted by individuals and families. And what happens is they turn the wonderful love of Christ into something of abuse or something of bondage. And that's not what it's meant to be. Because of God's great love, He wants to cleanse you and love you and care for you and set you free. Uh, my wife, Pam, I love my wife. 
But I got to tell you, because she, she just loves people at times, she can be, and I, I, I don't mean this meanly, she'll tell you, she can be gullible. She really can. She just can never imagine anybody not having the best intentions. Matter of fact, uh, the other day, this is kind of a side note, I come walking up to the doorway of her house, and where the doorbell's supposed to be is this ugly butterfly. And I looked at it and thought, who put that on my house? And I opened the door, I said, Pam, there's this ugly butterfly on the house. And she goes, yeah, I bought it today. I go, why would you buy that? It's ugly. She goes, oh, no, no. But she goes, Chuck, the man who sold it to me, he was the nicest older man ever. I couldn't say no to him. I'm like, no. And you put this on my house. And I go, Pam, how much did you spend? I figured like 10, 15 bucks. And what a waste. She goes, $60. 60. I go, $60. She goes, but he was nice. <laughs> 60 bucks. You know what is, is at times she's gotten sucked into things. I remember one time she met this, this family and she got to know them and they invited us over to her house so we could pray together and talk. And I was all excited. You know, we got in the car and she goes, oh, you're going to love them. They're so nice. When we got to their house, they weren't. They really weren't. They were a part of a legalistic church and they thought it was their mission in life to take all the joy out of our lives. They really did. They were twisting Scripture. They were attacking us. They wanted to save us from God's love and God's joy. They wouldn't have used it that way. But what it was, they had all these rules. Because our church, you know, uh, because I dressed the way I do, God couldn't love me. Because, you know, I, I acted the way I do because we lived all of a sudden, none of which were biblical. But boy, they had verses taken out of context to try to lump on us. And after a while, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I realized what's going on. And I, I tried to respond to a man, but man, they came right. And when it was all over, it just was heartbreaking. Let me tell you why it was heartbreaking. Because I knew their kids hated going to church. I knew that their marriage didn't have that love in it. I, I knew that already. I could see it. What they had were a bunch of rules. And I want you to know this. In, in, in the, there's a lot of things we do or don't do because of Christians, but do you know why we do or don't do them? Because of the grace of God and the love of God and the care of God. And we do it out of a love for Him and a love for others. That's what guides us. And it's not done to earn our way. And it's not that, you know what, if you don't do this, God will never love you. I want to say this to you, ready? God's always going to love you. It's your choice whether you accept it. He's always going to love you. Because of his great love, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Because of his great love, John 3.16 is there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because of his great love. And you know what? So often, people take it and twist it. And if you've been around people who've done that to you, and all of a sudden you go, but where's the love? Well, you've got to ask that question. God does love. God does care. Is he going to judge? Yeah. But the bottom line is it's because of God's great love that he wanted to embrace us into his faith. That's the great desire that he has. That's what he wants for us, and we need to grab that. Then you go to Ephesians 2, 4-9, and catch what it says there. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. Did you catch that? God, because of great love, rushed to us, cares about us. He's been calling out to us. I can't imagine if there hasn't been a time in your life, somehow you didn't know God was there for you. 
Maybe laying in bed at night or, or driving in the car or in the midst of a moment you thought was so horrible you couldn't stand it, that all of a sudden you sensed it. God, because of his great love, he wants to make you alive. He wants to come and love on you. He wants to come and care for you. And it goes on to verse 6 and says, And he raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He wants to draw you to himself. Verse 7, So that what? So that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. How does salvation come to us? How does this relationship come to us? By grace, by the grace of God, not by earning it. That's why he goes on next, by grace you have been saved. Uh, and that is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one would boast. By the way, you know what? If some of you knew me, you might say, Chuck, you don't deserve God's love. Here's the answer. No, I don't, but he loves me. By the way, you don't deserve God's love, but he loves you. He doesn't want you to try to earn it. He doesn't want you to say, okay, God, if I do these nine things, you'll accept me. No, he wants you to open up to it. And then do we do what we do out of a love for God? That's the truth of the gospel. Because of his great love for us, he sent Jesus Christ, rich in mercy, wanting to pour grace on us. And if we would open up and accept it, it changes everything. And then God, God wants you out of a love back for him to live the life you live. Should we live differently than we did before? Yeah, the former self, indulged in the flesh. The former self was caught up in the death. And now in the new life, because of his grace, because of his love, because of life, because of vitality, I want to live differently. But when I do, I end up finding joy and peace and, and all the amazing things God has and a strength that comes even when life is hard. But it's found how? Because we're drawn near to him. We're put into a relationship with him. Uh, if you're at cross, part of the Crossroads family, you've probably heard me share this before, but I had a moment in my life where I just needed the grace of God to be enacted like you can't believe. And um, what happened is my son Tim, who now is just an amazing man of God, when he was in sixth and seventh grade, he just started rebelling. I mean, he just started, he couldn't have done, he, I, he, he just started doing horrible things. His grades were just literally down to nothing, and, and he wouldn't do his homework, and, and he was lying, and he was rebellious, and he was stealing. And uh, one day, the police show up, and, and he and his friends had just kicked in a shed. I said, why'd you kick in the shed? He goes, it was there. And uh, I, I mean, what do you do? I mean, we put him on restriction, and before that restriction was up, he had done something else, so we extended it. The next one was up, we extended it again, and... And, and it was horrible. I mean, I, like, we, 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 you know, he would sit in his room upset. He didn't have his games or his music. And we'd finally make him come out, and we'd sit on the couch upset. And, and dinner was horrible to be at with him. And I remember telling Pam, I said, what are we going to do with this kid? I said, Pam, I, I, we can't put him on restriction anymore. He's already on until he's 90. I mean, what are we going to do? And I said, whatever we're doing is not working. Man, we prayed and prayed. And I'm not trying to tell you what, the, what I, we came up with would work for in your case, but I know it did in ours. I'd been praying about it, and I went to Pam, and I said, you know what? The punishment's not working. So let's just extend grace. I mean, we don't want to go on like this. I don't, I, we don't have a relationship with our son. So let's extend grace. 
So uh, that day, Tim came home from school, and I said, hey, I want to talk with you. And he goes, okay. I go, no, let's get in the van. And, and we went for a drive, and we went up to this area in Glendora on Glendora Mountain Road, and, and it was quiet the whole ride. And uh, when we got there, I said, all right, come on, we're going to go for a walk. And I, he's like, what? I said, yeah, I want to go for a walk. And I think he was thinking, he's going to kill me and leave my body in the woods, <laughs> you know. So as we're walking, I had, I had prayed about it. I planned it out. I said, hey, you know, uh, you know we were upset at you because of this, and, and I think you know why. It's because it, we care about you, and he kind of shook his head. And, and I said, but Tim, we also were. And then we started, I just kind of rehearsed back, gave a little history of what we'd been going through. And as we're walking, I said, dude, it hurts. It hurts because I don't want this for you. It hurts because I don't think this is who you are. It hurts because man, I see how gifted you are, and, and now we're not, we're not close, Tim. We used to be close. Do you even remember that? And the whole time, I could just see like all this weight on him, and, and it was just there. And then we got to the point, it's kind of the pinnacle of the walk that I knew we'd be at, and, and we stopped, and I said, well, I, I've been praying about it. I talked to your mom, and we've decided we're going to extend you grace. And he looked at me, and I go, no, I don't think you understand, Tim. I mean... Just as the way God loved and gave grace to me, I'm giving this to you as your dad. What I'm telling you is, you're off restriction. What I'm telling you is, now that we've had this walk, I'm never going to bring one of those things up again. In my mind, it's like it didn't even happen. I'm going to start treating you as the young man I know you are. I'm going to start loving you that way. And, and, and you know what? It's over. And he goes, wait, wait, I don't understand. I go, dude, you're not on restriction anymore. Not at all. He goes, do I get my music back? I said, yeah. Do I get my game system? I go, yeah, I think your mom's going to have it set up and waiting when you get home, man. He lit up. And I, I said, I just, we just can't go on this way, so you're free. I said, I love you. I just want you back. He lit up, and we started walking. Matter of fact, he's walking extra fast, can't wait to get to the van. Last 100 yards, he runs ahead of me, hops in there, and turns his music on. I hopped in with them, and we're starting to laugh, and we're driving home, and, and I'm not going to talk anymore. As a matter of fact, about the, this, now we're starting to talk about other things. And, and as we pull up in the van and, and get out in the driveway, all of a sudden, he runs around the van, and he hugs me. I thought, I got my son back. I got my son back. And uh, in his case, it worked. He was. He, he was a different guy, and it was the grace that did it. You know, I got to tell you that if you haven't caught it, whether it works for you and your family, I can tell you who it'll work for. It'll work for you and your God. He loves you like that. And today, if you're here and you've not had the grace of God and acted in your life, then I want you to know He wants it for you. There's nothing you could ever do that the Lord wouldn't love you. But He gives you a choice. Do you want to receive it? That day, I gave Tim grace. The question is, did he want to receive it? And i got to tell you something that happened that blew our mind. He so received it that later on he went to Pam and said, would you homeschool me? I need to be in a different influence. You know, that's how close we got. And God wants you to go to him and say, Lord, would you forgive me? I don't want to be this person anymore. Are you ready for this? Over here, you get your will for your life. And the Lord says to you, your will be done. Over here, you get God's will for your life, and you say to him, Lord, your will be done. I can promise you which one's going to be better. And the question is, do you want his will? Do you want his love? Do you want his grace? 
And it's not that you earn it, you just receive it, and then you let him take you and change you and make you into a new creation. If you're here today and you one time were living here and you've backslidden back to here, do you know what God says? Come home. Come home. And today, today we'd love for you to come home. If you're here and you need to recommit your life in a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. I want to encourage you to do that. You know, your dad would love to have you back. And there's probably a lot of people been praying you'd come back. And he wants to start restoring back and reviving back that love in your life, and he wants it for you. How do you do it? You pray that prayer you prayed in the beginning. You recommit yourself. Today, if you're here and you've never received the love of God, you've never actually crossed that line of faith, you know what? The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And if you would open up to him, he would literally come and and take you. God would draw you to himself. You would start to experience things you can't even imagine as God makes you his child. And he doesn't want to just be your God. He wants to be your father, your Abba father, the Bible says, your dad. And right now, if you've never said yes to him, I want to give you a chance to do it. How do you do it? You pray. We're going to go to a time of prayer. And if you're ready, I want you to know because of his great love, he wants you to do this. Because of his great love, he wants to give you his grace. And if you would believe in him, have faith, then that grace now will flow into your life. So are you ready to say yes to him? Are you ready to trust him? And for some, are you ready to return? One last thing, are you ready to be healed? If you're here today and today's a hard day for you, it's been a hard week, a hard month, come and let God heal you. Let him take you and make you stronger. And just like how Amy's mom, in a tough time in her life, her faith grew Let God help your faith grow. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. And I pray right now, oh my God, that you would begin to move in the hearts and minds of every person here. For those of us who know you, Lord, may we just be filled with praise for your great love. And I thank you for your grace, that amazing grace. Father, today, for anybody who needs to return to you, I pray and I ask that your spirit begin to touch them. And God, I pray right now your Holy Spirit would begin to move and they would in this moment want to give themselves to you. And Lord, I want to pray for anybody who needs to come to you for the first time. I pray, Lord, you would begin to stir in their hearts. So God, I pray right now there are some hearts that are beating faster and faster. I pray right now, Lord, there are some people who are sensing a stirring. I pray right now, God, that there's some people who are longing for this and they they can feel it around them. They can feel other people hoping for this for them and they want it. And I think there's someone right now who's been fighting against you, Lord. Today, I pray they're going to let go. They're going to let you. I want us to keep praying. And by the way, this is the most important time of our service. So I'm going to ask right now that nobody slip out and leave till the invitation's over. In other words, unless you're coming forward, I want you to stay right where you're at. But there's some of you today that this is your moment. This is your time. You know it, and you know God loves you. The question is, are you ready to say yes to him? And if you are, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to start the process by praying a prayer with me. For some of you, you need to come back to Christ. I'm going to ask you to, to start the process of coming back by, by praying this prayer. So here's the thing. Do you want this? Are you ready to say yes to him? And if you are, I'm going to ask you right now, let's whisper this prayer together. Think about it. 
Get ready for God to love you like you've never been loved, even if it's a recommitment. Get ready and say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me my sins and my failures. You died, Lord, to heal me from hurt and from pain and to free me from worry and from fear. You died, oh Lord God, in Jesus to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes. I say yes. Just say those words. I say yes. I want you. And I want, I want this life. So I'm yours now. Show me the life that I'm meant to live and who I'm meant to be. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And praise God if you prayed that prayer.